0: Alright, welcome back to the show, Money Grows on Trees podcast, my name's Lloyd Ross, this episode is called, Berkshire Hathaway Shareholder Letter, <laughs> uh, God, I don't know what it's going to be called, we could call it that, because that's really what it's about, but it's also about the 13, uh, he actually left more than 13, but I think there's a 13 appropriate tips on investing in life from Charlie Munger, who's Warren Buffett's business partner, so maybe we'll flick around the title, I'm not too sure yet, but... Uh, what I really wanted to talk to you about was the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder letter, the annual letter that Warren Buffett writes to all the shareholders of Berkshire Hathaway, which is his company, which is, I think it's the sixth largest company, um, in America. It's about, uh, $600, $700 billion valuation. He built it from not much. And, uh, he, what he does every year is he, he writes at Warren Buffett, who's the CEO and chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, he writes an annual letter to the shareholders and they they're wonderful i have read every single one of them since 1977 and you, they're free to read you can go to berkshirehathaway.com on their website click on shareholder uh, warren's letters to shareholders you can read all of them from 1977 to today and i've done that and it's arguably one of the greatest masterclasses in investing you can take just by reading those letters okay now if you don't have a high financial IQ, you're going to struggle with some parts of it, but he does keep it very simple, uh, which is why they're so popular, these letters, and he really does teach a lot about investing through these letters. And so the Berkshire Hathaway letter, the latest letter, came out on Sunday, which is yesterday. So I was like, perfect. What a great way to spend Sunday reading this letter. Normally, they're about 20, 30, 40 pages long. This one was only 10, so uh, it's it's got nuggets in it. Uh, he repeats much of the same stuff. That he has in other letters because he is a repeatable guy. That's how. That's why he's successful, because he does the same thing. He 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 knows what works. He just repeats it. You know what I mean? Like that's. There's a lesson even in that. Just keeps things simple, repeatable, scalable, uh, and stays within his circle of competence when it comes to where he deploys all the Berkshire Hathaway shareholders' money. Now, I used to be a shareholder of Berkshire Hathaway. I wish I still was, but I I sold <clears throat> because I I I was had a new plan for three income streams as I left my previous career in property in back in 2018. So I actually divested my Amer- some of my American stocks back then. So I'm no longer a shareholder, but I'm an avid fan, and uh, I would love to go to the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting in April. It's in Omaha. Um, might be Charlie Munger. That's, that's Warren Buffett's business partner. He's 99 years of age. It could be his last one. You never know, but he's in pretty good shape, so maybe not. Um, so there you go. But Warren writes this, this, this letter. And I'd encourage you to go read it. Of course, I'd encourage you to read all of them. But in this particular letter, uh, he actually outlined 15 lessons from Charlie Munger, who's his business partner and vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, the famed investor, uh, Warren Buffett's right-hand man, uh, Charlie. So he actually outlines these. So I'm going to go through these lessons with you uh, very briefly and just give you some commentary on them because I think they're so valuable. So let me um, pull it up here. And I'll go through them with you. So let's let's go to. Took a quick snapshot of the. Here we go. Ready? All right. He says, <laughs> he's Warren Buffett says nothing beats a great having a great partner. Charlie and I think pretty much alike. Uh, but what it takes me to explain in a page, he sums it up in a sentence. Um, so his version, moreover, is always more clearly reasoned, and and might I might add bluntly. So here are a few of his thoughts, many lifted from a recent podcast. So this is from Charlie Munger. Ready? I'm going to explain these. I'll put some commentary around them for you so I can teach you. The world is, number one, the world is full of foolish gamblers and they will not do as well as the patient investor. Okay? He doesn't just mean people down at the casino. He means people who are actually just buying stocks for them ready to go up and then selling them again. Okay? Or crypto or whatever. You know, like it's it's, it's the approach to their investing that they think is investing, but it's actually gambling because I don't know what they're doing, right? Very much the world is full of foolish gamblers. So if you can be a patient investor, you'll you'll beat the gamblers, okay? Number two, if you don't see the world the way it is, it's like judging something through a distorted lens. So what he's trying to say there is a lot of people live in delusion or fantasy. They see the world through a specific biased lens based on their experiences, their events, and they're not rational. They're emotional. And they're making decisions based on emotion rather than being absolutely rational, seeing the world as it is, not as they wish it were. Okay. So they see it through a distorted lens, um, rose colored glasses, so to speak. So it's just about being real, right? Actually seeing it as it is, um, you know, and not being dissuaded. And I think it's very easy to get dissuaded as to what you think the world might be if you read the news, because all that news does is to sell papers and news and headlines. Like it's just not real. You know what I mean? So a lot of people don't even understand the background of the Ukraine war and all of a sudden they just think, oh, Russia's bad. Like they have no idea about the NATO experience with them, what happened, why the U.S. has instigated a lot of that. Like they have no idea. They're just like, that's bad. He's bad. This whole thing sucks, right? So if you dig deeper, you'll find the truth and there's always two sides to every story. And I think it's better to be rational like that when you're investing and thinking of your money, okay? So there you go. Uh, Number three, all I want to know is where I'm going to die, so I'll never go there. And a related thought early on. Here we go. Early on, write your desired obituary and then behave accordingly. So there's two lessons in this. When he says, uh, uh, all I want to know is where I'm going to die, so I never go there, he means uh, learning from where others have gone and died is good for him because he will not go there. Like, for example, if you knew that, um, if you happen to go to this particular country, your chances of death are 100% from some sort of virus or some sort of, you know, crime, whatever, you would never go there, right? So in investing, what Charlie is talking about is he's seen investors, smart people go to these places in with their money, be through too much leverage in the wrong industry, chasing the new tech thing, um, angel investing, um, crypto, like whatever it is. They've gone into these realms and they've died. It's killed them financially. So, what he says is, I want to know where all those places that are bad. So, he figures that out. He's like, I'm not going to go there. Okay. And that's what you can do too with your investing. That's called staying around your circle of competence, where you're good. Stay around those areas. Okay. Now, the related thought when he says, write your desired obituary and then behave accordingly, what he means is, Think about the end of your life at your funeral, when someone is reading your obituary, someone is reading your life story. What do you want it to say? And then figure that out and then behave so that you can achieve that, right? So if you want to be super successful and wealthy and so forth, but you don't even have $100 or you don't have an emergency fund saved up, you have no idea about investing, you have no assets, and you're just spinning wheels, right? Then you can't live into that. So you have to decide where you want to be at the end of your life, who you want to be, and then behave accordingly starting today because we're a byproduct of our behavior. Our wealth is a byproduct of our behavior. Okay, So that's what he means by that. So number four, if you don't care whether you're rational or not, you won't work on it, then you will stay irrational and get lousy results. So Charlie's a very rational guy. right? He's very rational. And in, in investing, it pays to be rational and it does not pay to be emotional. There's a big difference, right? So he he wants to make de- uh, decisions with his money through the facts and through being not emotional at all and managing his emotions, okay, being disciplined with those things. So if you are not rational now, like if you do all of your decision making around emotion and you have no willingness to be rational because you're not coachable, you're not open, you don't have a growth mindset, you're not you're not open to feedback or critique because you're too sensitive, then you're gonna suck when it comes to doing anything with success, because you're not open to feedback and you're not open to your own feedback either. So you're not ready to get better is what he means by that. So the, one of the, th- one of the most effective mindsets you can have when you want to get better at stuff is just saying to yourself, far out, I made a mistake. I'm dumb there. I need to get better there. Right. And being, being able to be critiqued openly to grow. Right. Next one, one, two, three, five. where's the number five? Patience can be learned. Having a long attention span and ability to concentrate on one thing for a long time is a huge advantage. So have a think about that. They've chosen the field of investing in stocks. That's publicly traded companies as well as private companies. And they've just focused their entire attention pretty much most of their life on that one skill, on that one area. They've not gone into any other different types of assets. They've had in their early in their career, they probably looked at some things, but they chose one and then they stuck with it and became the best. And that's the same in your business, the same in your investments, what you choose. Like if you're a real estate person, boom, just get get really good at that for the rest of your life, okay? If you're into stocks, get really good at that for the rest of your life. If you have one business, get really good at that business. Don't chop and change. And what he means here too is don't be the shiny object junkie, right? Just going from one thing to another thing to another thing. Success is about having uh, focusing on the one thing for a very long time um, and that's how they have become successful. Okay. Next one, you can learn a lot from dead people. Read of the deceased you admire. Endy test. There you go. Endy test. So interesting. You can read. All, you can learn a lot from dead people, and that's uh, that's why you got to read. And biographies are the most interesting things to read because it's about people's lives. So you can learn about Ben Franklin, who's Charlie Munger's idol. You can read all his books. Poor Charlie's aunt, uh Poor what is it? Poor. Ah, I forget what Ben Franklin's uh, almanac is. Um, Not I forget what it is. But you can read Ben Franklin's biography. I've read the biography of all the – I've read Andrew Carnegie's biography. I've read John D. Rockefeller's biography, Warren's biography. I've read – I've pretty much studied all of the multi-billionaires in the world, dead and alive. And because I was looking to see what their traits are, their behaviors, what their lessons are, what they could teach me, people alive – it doesn't really matter if they're dead or alive. If they've written a book – you're getting a snapshot into how they think, how they behave, um, and what they do. So you can learn so much from that. So I'd encourage you to do that, right? Next, don't bail away in a sinking boat if you can swim to the one that is seaworthy. That is such a powerful sentence. Don't bail away in a sinking boat if you can swim to one that is seaworthy. So my own personal experience of this was when I was in corporate, I was working for a big developer in Abu Dhabi. And it was pretty much gone broke. It got bowed out by the Abu Dhabi government because it, it just mismanaged its its projects and the GFC and so forth. So it was getting restructure after restructure, con- management consultant after management consultant. And it was getting, it was a sinking boat. <laughs> so I wasn't going to sit on the sinking boat. I was like, I'm out of here, right? So I ran to one that was more seaworthy. And I've done that in my career. And it, it, it's once you find one that is seaworthy, you stick it. Okay, you got to find one that's seaworthy. So you don't want to bail out a, a sinking boat. Okay, when it's sinking, flipping out, get off the boat. And uh, it doesn't mean that it's not going to be rough seas. Okay, so if you go through some waves and a little bit of water spills on, don't jump off the boat. Okay, you'll be able to tell if it's a sinking boat based on its culture. Okay, so if it's got a good culture, typically it will meander through any sea because it's got the right stuff. Okay, disciplined workers that know what they're doing with vision, look after their people. Okay. If it's not that, then likely it's not going to be the right, it's not going to be seaworthy, okay? So culture is important. Here we go, ready? A great company keeps working after you are not. A mediocre company won't do that, okay? A great company keeps working after you are not. So a great business is repeatable, scalable. Um, you can step out of it um, and it doesn't require you to tinker with it. Uh, you know, so a great company is does those things. And so if you find a great company to invest in or develop or build, and it does those things, it'll continue to go through rough seas, right? It won't be a sinking boat, so to speak. Next one, Warren and I focus on the froth. Don't focus on the froth of the market. We seek out good long-term investments and stubbornly hold them for a long time. So they don't care if the market's up, down, or indifferent. In fact, if it's down, they kind of celebrate because they can buy good quality businesses for cheaper. But they don't focus on where the market's going to be next year, the year after, the year after. All they're focused on is finding good businesses, buying them for a reasonable price, and holding them for a long freaking time. Like Warren Buffett's held Coca-Cola now for almost 40 years. He's held American Express for a very long time too. Um, he's even held Bank of America for over 10 years now. Um, he's held Apple for since 2016, I think. So, you know, he and some of those companies like Geico and um, the privately held companies like the furniture mart and so forth they bought a long time ago, Seize Candy, they've held them for many, many decades. And and that's the beauty of finding good businesses. Once you find them and you invest in them, you can hold them for long periods of time because you don't need to bail them out. They'll go through any C's and they'll keep compounding over time. right? So that, that's what they focus on. They don't focus on the gyrations in the market because no one knows what the market's going to do. They don't know. They know that. Why would they bother focusing on something they can't control and have no idea, right? So that leads into the next one. Ben Graham said, who's their mentor, by the way? Ben Graham, Graham taught Warren Buffett at Columbia University, and he, and Warren Buffett, interestingly, is the only one that got an A plus in, in in Ben Graham's class. There you go. And so Ben Graham said, day to day, the stock market is a voting machine. In the long term, though, it's a weighing machine. Okay. So if you and Charlie goes to say, if you keep making something more valuable then some wise person is going to notice and start buying it. So if you buy a, a valuable company that's been able to produce profits and expand its market share and expand its margins and its return on capital and reduce its share count and and continue to b- it's widen its competitive advantage it has over others and it's run by good, able people, then eventually the market's going to discover that. it's going The stock's going to rise, right? So the whole idea is that in the short term, you saw this. In the last two years, you would have seen this massively. It's a great lesson. Ready? So the last two years, the likes of Kathy Wood and these people in ARK uh, Innovation um, ETF and Tesla and flipping um, crypto and all this sort of stuff, like it's a voting machine in the short term, which means all the retail investors who are actually gamblers who have no idea about investing at all, they don't have any fundamental education in it. They've all piled into the market. So in the short term, it's gone way up. Like, boom, whoa, far out, boom, booming, everyone's making money. But then the next year, boom, it's all gone down. And Cathie Wood's ETF has lost like 75% this year. It's wiped away all of its gains ever, ever. So it's it's not worth playing in the voting game, okay, because votes, people, they're short-term thinkers, the gyrations of the market are driven by votes. But the reality is some businesses, okay, they are producing profits extraordinary profits and they can't stay cheap forever and so what you want to do is you want to find those businesses that you know eventually get assessed by the market on the weight of their profits the weight of the quality of themselves okay so eventually the market discovers the quality and the quality rises to the top the cream rises to the top okay in you know, if you're making a glass of tea cup of tea you'll you'll notice cream rises to the top it's the same with these companies okay so there you go uh, the next one there's three more There is no such thing as a 100% sure thing when investing. Thus, the use of leverage is dangerous. A string of wonderful numbers times zero will always equal zero. Don't count on getting rich twice. So he's saying here to be careful of leverage. And I think this can be said for real estate too because a lot of people I talk to, they get themselves in trouble financially because they just bought off way too much debt. So the reason why people make so much money in property is because of leverage. So they own ten percent of the property, and the bank owns ninety percent. So when it doubles, they've effectively like, I don't know, like eight x, nine x their equity, which is a huge return. But it's from leverage. But here's the thing: when the market falls and the properties go down in value, and it goes into negative equity, and you can't make payments for whatever reason, equity uh, leverage also kills you as well, and it turns you bankrupt. In Australia, it does anyway because they're recourse loans. So you've got to be careful in investing, whether it's real estate and certainly stocks. Stocks is worse. You don't want to use too much leverage in stocks because you can get margin called, which means you've got to post margin in cash to, to, to rebalance the loan-to-value ratio. So you have to be careful when you're using, this, this is why I just don't use leverage, right? I just don't use it <laughs> because I don't want to be zero. I don't want to get rich twice, okay? I want to get rich once. So there you go. Uh, two more left. You don't, however, need to own a lot of things in order to get rich. So what he means by this is you don't need to own a lot of stocks. You don't need to own a lot of houses. You don't need to own a lot of businesses. You just need to own a couple of good ones. Like um, I think in in Warren Buffett's shareholder letter, he says, you know, we we took Berkshire Hathaway's stock price and I'm fairly certain, I'm pretty sure, God, I don't want to say, it was either $19 a share when Warren first bought it, or sixty. Whatever the case may be, he bought it in the nineteen sixties, maybe at nineteen dollars a share. Anyway, one share in that same company now is is four hundred and sixty thousand, I think, in one share. So he's they've they've actually created, here's the numbers, over the last since they took over Berkshire Hathaway in the sixties, they've given investors in that company through I think it's three point three million percent return, which is Um, Like they've made billionaires out of it. People have just put their money in and they've left it. They've become billionaires. And, of course, they're multi-billionaires. Warren Buffett's worth $100 So it's very much escalated his personal wealth up to me. He's number five, number four in the world now, richest. He was the richest in 2008, by the way. Now he's number four or five. Um, So there you go. So what he means by that is you don't – my point I was getting to is out of that that 3.3 million percent, only 12 companies they ever bought did that. And I mean, they've bought and sold so many companies, but there's 12 good ones they reckon that did that. So you don't need a lot. Like, and that's why I, you know, a couple of good stocks or one good ETF, a good business you can drive for the next 20 and 30 years, one good property that you live in, or maybe good investment property you have that's in a good location. It just, that's going to help. That's going to do most of the heavy lifting. You don't need to be flipping in everything, right? Just high quality scalable and you know good things that you just hold on to for a long time help a lot here we go ready um so there you go you don't have to own a lot of things to get rich just a few good things the last one there are two more but they don't make much sense so i'm just going to do this this one he says you have to keep learning if you want to become a great investor when the world changes you must change and so that's that's so true you 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 have to be a learning machine i think this is so underestimated which is why this whole saying, success is always under construction, okay? Because (laughs) consumer demands change, technology changes, um, you know, conflict in the world changes things, government regulation changes things, your age changes you, changes your body, your body changes, your relationships change, like the world is a very much a changing place. So you've got to keep learning and staying ahead of the curve. Because if you don't, then you do get left behind. And I think of people that haven't learned, particularly the older generation, haven't learned social media, they let it go past them because they weren't constant learning machines. And because of that, they're finding it hard now to jump onto this, the simple wealth wagon online, right? They are because they've just let it go past them. And I can say the same for lots of stuff. Like I'm conscious of things that have passed me. I try not to let things pass me because I just don't, I, I need. I want to keep learning and keep learning, right? And you got to keep pivoting too. Like the way things used to be done in a business won't work again. So when I was in a property business with my dad, there was a certain way we were doing things that they did for probably 20 years. And when I came aboard, the whole industry had shifted, changed, regulation had changed it, technology had changed it, and it was doing the same things it used to. And it was flipping. We're not getting anywhere. So we completely flipped on its head because of the learning experiences I've been through. And it completely shifted the business. The same with our network marketing business. We're doing a lot of face to face stuff. Then, lucky we pivoted online, and it helped us continue to create profits during COVID. So, unless we'd learned those things and skilled up, that would never have happened. Um, You know, it's it's just so important. So, when it comes to your investing, uh, you've got to be open to change. You know, like Warren Buffett and Charlie, they used to buy undervalued companies that were like cigar butts. They had one good profit running them left. They were so undervalued, they were crappy companies, but they were so cheap that you almost couldn't lose because they were buying them for less than their tangible assets. So they did that for many years to and they made millions doing that, right? In the Buffett partnership, that's how Warren Buffett made 50% returns every year. 50. That like that's what he was doing, that's what Ben Graham taught them. But eventually, because Charlie's a constant learning machine, he said to Warren, "Listen Warren, we need to change our approach." Out, we have too much money now. We can't invest in these companies. We've got to switch strategies now and get into something more scalable. So this is the same of what it takes to get to a million. May not get you to ten million. How you get to a, you can get to a million by yourself, but you can't get to ten million really by yourself. You have to have a team. So how you approach your million is changes how you approach your ten million, and I'm sh- certain it changes again how you get to hundred million and to a billion. Like the strategy must change, but the the, the tactic like. The tactics and strategy will change, but the principles remain probably the same, right? So that's why it's a constant learning experience. You never, ever just know it ever. Even the best in the world, like Charlie and Warren, is still learning because they want to stay ahead of the curve. They don't want to get left behind. But I see so many people in their wealth journey, in their money journey, they just getting left behind. They're not reading books, they're not listening to it, they're not doing courses, they're not, they're not going to events, they're not progressing themselves. And they're wondering now why they can't get ahead with inflation going up and they're not employable in new roles because they haven't spent time innovating themselves. And I guess this is such a good one to, to finish on because rather than spending your time at leisure all the time, on the weekends and in the evenings, leisure, 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 be careful of that because if you don't stay up with current technology and skills, you will become unemployable. And it's not just you later, because it sucks to be have no money later in life, of course, but it's also what are you going to teach your kids? What what opportunities will they have because you've not invested in yourself? You know, I think it's, it's a competitive world out there. You can't just sit on your laurels anymore. So I hope that makes sense to you and that's probably why you listen to this podcast. So give yourself a pat on the back. So that's, that's there's some nuggets I got from the shareholder letter. This is a longer episode but I think there's so, many, um, important, there's so much wisdom in those that I want to encourage you to go to BerkshireHathaway.com, go to Letters to Shareholders and go and read them all. So just, get, just print them all out if you want to and then get a little booklet together and read them all, right? What a wonderful investing journey, right? And if you don't understand things, then it's time to upskill your financial IQ, all right? So thank you so much to, for listening to this longer episode. I know it was longer, but this is super important stuff. I'm, I just want to share with you this incredible investing resource that I love. And uh, hey, thanks to Warren and Charlie for writing it and teaching us all. Hope you've got value from this episode. Thanks for shouting us out on your stories. Uh, thanks for leaving us five-star reviews. Where our Numbers of our podcasts are growing drastically, and uh, it's by all accounts, it's continuing to succeed. So thank you so much for listening and sharing with your friends. If you've enjoyed this episode, send it to a friend and or um, share it onto your onto your stories on Instagram. Tag me in if you like. I'll share it back to my stories. And if you want me to come live, uh, not live, but on the podcast about anything, just message me, um, and I'll do an episode for you, okay? So I've got some cool ones coming up, plus a cool guest that we're working on at the moment. So Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Thanks for joining us this week on the Money Grows on Trees podcast. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, Money Grows on Trees, which you can find at LloydJRoss.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a review, and feel free to reach out to Lloyd on Instagram at LloydJamesRoss.